and welcome to the Sports Technology Podcast. In this episode, we speak with Monir Zok, the Senior Sports Technologist at the United States Olympic Committee. He tells us about the path to his current role and gives some examples of how technology is implemented in the large U.S. Olympic team. For more information, check out our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com, and remember to follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Technology Podcast. My name is Mike and with me today again is Henry. Hi. And our guest today is a sports technologist at the USOC and has a long history in sports technology, so I think it'll be a great conversation. Monir. So welcome, Monir. And uh, yeah, can you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your passion for sports and technology and what you're up to now? Well, thank you for having me, guys. My name is Monir Zak. As you said, I'm the senior sports technologist at the United States Olympic Committee. It's kind of a funny way that I ended up working in sports. I mean, I've been a passionate uh, sports fan ever since I can remember. And I never imagined myself working in this area. And I, I've always thought, thought of myself growing up, ending ending up working in the clinical environment. And this is what my plan was up until six years ago. When I was doing my PhD in uh, biomedical engineering back in 2000, I was based in, uh, in Italy. And my main objectives were doing research and applying that research to the clinical area. And I did that pretty, you know, constantly up until 2006. So we went went from getting PhD to doing some postdoc research, just the, the classical researcher's way. And then I found myself in quite an interesting position where I was working at a sports science faculty and almost all of my colleagues were um, either doing some coaching on uh, on the side or were doing some strength and conditioning coaching. And myself, uh, along with the group I was working with, we're a unique entity in there because we come from we came from an engineering background. And what what's what struck me was that with simple engineering solutions, we were able to introduce quite a big uh, benefit, and I would say a game changer into the lives of our sports science fellows. And one thing led to another, and I began, you know, the, the thinking about how we could. Uh, begin introducing engineering into into sports and along with some colleagues of mine we began maturing the idea of setting up a business actually and that led us to create a small company by the, that goes by the name of sensorize which is still operating on the italian market and that is how i began working in sports very cool so we talked to a lot of people and i think the the interesting thing to to ask them is about their perspective on what is what defines sports technology for you? I think we get a different answer from every guest we we interview. So I, I'd like to get your perspective on kind of how you define the term, and it's kind of a non-intuitive for some people that may not be directly familiar with it. Well, so it's, it's funny that you bring this up, Mike. Sports technology, I believe, is so misleading. To be honest with you, I get all the time people asking me questions that are more IT related than than sports technology or sports performance technology. Uh, related, and I have a strong feeling that this uh, title needs to be revisited, you know, by all the leading figures worldwide, so that uh, so that our profession has got a more intuitive un- understanding to it. I mean, if 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 you talk about you know physiotherapy, I would bet you that most people would pinpoint the big uh, highlight of what a physiotherapist does in his or her everyday job. When you say sports technology, it can go in in in, in any way. Um, what, what, what I see 
the, the meaning uh, of sports technology. Let's say the way that I interpret sports technology is uh, technology related um, work that impacts the sport performance of athletes. We hear, we hear a bunch of different definitions. I think it's, it's kind of interesting that you bring up the point that we should, we should maybe standardize the definition a little bit more. Do you, is, is your work more focused towards one side or another? Like, do you, do you see your job as, um, as using everything or do you like, to, like, including IT related or do you like to focus on, on more of the mechanical, sort of biomechanical solutions? Uh, well, I, I got to a point in my career, um, Henry, where I am working as the liaison, if you want, between the sports and their needs and the uh, private sector and research sector. Um, I, I'm a position where I have to be talking to the coaches and talking to the athletes or all the technical staff surrounding an athlete and digging deep into their, their head and understanding what is it that they really need. And most of the times, this usually... Uh, consists of uh, a, a guiding conversation where with some very specific questions I bring out of the coaches and technical staff what is it exactly that they're after. You know, we, we are living in the technology era right now and it's very easy to be misled by any kind of technological solution. And many sports uh, do that uh, for, for the good and, and for the bad. And what I find myself doing most of the time is sitting in a position where taking lots of steps backwards with the technical staff and and helping them focus on on the whys and the what's instead of the hows why is it that we want a solution what what do we want the solution to do for us you know and keep on stressing these points until we are able to come up with two three maximum five extremely specific questions that we need to find answers to after that we can focus on the hows and where to get the solution from. On, on the other hand, given the work that I have been doing over the past six months, you know, having worked in the private sector, having uh, interacted with lots and lots of uh, technology companies, whether they're big, whether they're small, whether they're specific to the sports world or outside of the sports world, gives me, you know, the ability to talk their language as well, which, which is extremely important because you do want to get on the same page as as, as them and try to understand together what is it that they could get out of a relationship with either a coach or an athlete on a private level or with the sport or, or with the uh, U.S. Olympic organization. And try to understand where are all the common points that we can work on so that we could satisfy a need and uh, make sure that that need is satisfied through an optimal uh, lineup of expert players. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's yeah, that's great. Um, could you give an example of a time where you've kind of helped someone identify a need and, or maybe made a connection um, on, your, on your time with the uh, Olympic Committee? Sure. Um, I, I think uh, boxing. Uh, it's it's, a, it's one of my favorite sports over here. I mean, I've, I've never followed boxing before, but ever since I've seen the boxers playing out, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fascinating sport. And we, we had a situation with, with boxing where um, – a new coach came in, a new high-performance director came in. They're both excellent professionals, uh, and they are very um, scientific-driven and objective-driven, uh, which which helps a lot. And we sat down on a table, and of course, you know, many many ideas came out in terms of you know what is it that we can do, what is it that we can uh, 
where can we help the athletes? Where can we help the coaches? How can we get information from athletes who aren't uh, training in a centralized environment? And and as as you could imagine, working in the U.S. is very challenging, given the, the geography of the country. I mean, it's 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 extremely huge. It's big, and and, and many athletes they, they don't train in the same facilities. So you have, I mean, you can have an athlete in New York, another one in Seattle, another one in uh, Philadelphia, another one down in Florida, and the other one in, in California. And you know, having your your national governing body or your sports organization um, optimally working with those athletes is is a big challenge. So we sat down with the with the uh, uh, coaches and high performance directors, and we began identifying where do we want to be two three years from now. Given that objective, what are the different milestones that we need to achieve, and what are the, what are different goals that we need to make sure that we are uh, hitting each and every quad from now until uh, the end of 2015, for example. The, the reason why we talk about 2015 is that uh, start 2016, it's extremely hard to bring new um, solutions within a sport because they will be focusing mainly on Rio 2016. So we really, we really need to make sure that we do our best from now until the end of 2015. Now, once we have identified the milestones and the objectives, then we go and begin working on the hows that we mentioned earlier on. So how is it that we could identify a solution which, for example, can give our coach um, an easy, intuitive solution which he or and she can use during the training sessions and get information, for example, about the number and frequency of punches that are thrown during the sparring session and an indicator about the strength of those punches. Once we, we get to that point, then my job is to begin scanning and vetting all the um, high-tech companies that, that, that are within uh, my uh, network and begin talking to them about our objectives and what is it that we, we would like to do. And we have managed to you know, leverage a very good relationship that we have with, with one of the um, inertial sensor companies. It's based in the US. And with them, we are uh, defining how to get to a stage where the coaching staff can have a user-friendly dashboard that shows us, that shows the simple information that they need to see and that they're able to interpret uh, immediately and give more constructive feedback to their athletes. So, and I would say this this was a perfect example of having the sports uh, identify you know different needs, guiding them to narrow it down to very specific questions with the priority list. And then on the other hand, uh, working with the with third parties and getting them on, on board and on the same page with us to achieve uh, our results. Oh, that's great. It really really kind of highlights some of the, the behind-the-scenes work that, that fans and spectators might not even consider. It's quite a production. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, and, and I always say that, that um, whenever you have something that is working, the simpler it looks, the more complicated it is in the background. So, I mean, really, but, but whoever is able to come up with an extremely intuitive, user-friendly, simple uh, technological solution has done an extremely complicated job in the background. And, and congratulations to anyone who's able to do that. Yeah, and I, so, so I imagine the challenge with something like the USOC is that you work with all the different teams. And I would imagine then each team has kind of a different technology appetite or even kind of evolution within its sport. So uh, I'm guessing things like triathlon and 
um, and some of the other sports that have um, kind of a long history of, of technology innovation, like maybe different to work with than some of the others that might not be as advanced, so to speak. Yes, yes. I know that the the advantage of working in the Olympic Committee is that we do uh, have a good overview of the different needs and different uh, situations that our sports are in. And the reason why I say we're lucky is that we have, I would say we could hit both extremes the of how sophisticated or how simple uh, a need is. And this helps us a lot because um, any kind of, of development that we do uh, or we uh, deploy for a certain kind of sport makes part of, of our knowledge, makes part of, of the tools that we are able to use with, with other sports. So if you take some sports that could be on your high end of, of, of technology use and any work that is done there would have a pipeline uh, flow towards the the lesser, how should I say, lesser tech savvy sports. And a lesson learned from, from one end is definitely a lesson to be introduced into into the, the, the other ends. It's just a more effective way of working. Instead of taking case by case and sort of treating <clears throat> any case that comes up as an isolated case and not, not making use of, of the knowledge that you gain working on. Do you approach coaches and, and, and suggest ways in which you may be able to help or do coaches uh, and, and team managers mainly come to you um, looking for advice on how they may improve? It's it's a mixture of both, Henry. Um, you know, I would say 50% of the time it's a proactive approach where, you know, we uh, we see a kind of technology or we see a trend going on in the industrial market and then we go at our sports and talk to them about, you know, how interesting this would be to them. Because one of the things that we want to make sure is that we're always ahead of the game and we're working in an international environment that is highly competitive and make sure that we stay at the peak of, of the of the medal count in 2016. We really need to make sure that we are the most innovative and we are ahead of the game almost all, all the time. The other 50%, you know, uh, we have uh, some coaches and some sports coming in uh, with, with very clear ideas about what is it that they'd like to do, what is it that they'd like to achieve, and then, you know, we, we help them get that sorted out. What is the most exciting part of your job? Um, the most exciting part of my job is being in a position where I am creating, if you want, the most effective communication channel between the sports world and the technology world. Okay. It's it's an extremely fun position to be in. It's it's challenging day by day, and it's it, it, and it is very you know um, it's a very big learning process for me. You know, I, I I gain lots of insights into different uh, different areas on on a daily basis, and I have to tell you that this helps me, um, you know, better. Um, dialogue with the sport tells me better dialogue with the uh, with the different organizations and companies that we work with, and I would say that this this is the most exciting part of my job. The Winter Olympics coming up. Um, is there anything that uh, you're really excited about, or that you're even able to? Kind of disclose at the moment, or any sports that we should keep an eye on. Um, there, there are many things that I would like to talk to you about, but unfortunately, I cannot. Yeah, sure. One, <laughs> <laughs> one of the biggest challenges going into Russia is actually communication. Not communication necessarily in terms of talking uh, in Russian, but how is it that we could, yeah, you know, deliver effectively 
quickly information from one end of an arena, let's say, to another end of the arena, um, so that the coaching staff can have a deeper view of what is happening uh, on the slopes and, uh, and on the tracks and be able to use that kind of information to provide somehow real-time feedback to the to the athletes. Yeah, unfortunately, I cannot go into details in that. But this this is one of the most exciting things. Uh, that's fine. That's that's often the case in, in our industry, I think. Um, <laughs> well, you you work with um, with elite athletes, and in in just simple consumer markets, and I guess going up to to pros, there's often a, a trickle down effect where new technologies will will start out just for the elite athletes, and then and then you'll be able to find them um, find them in a shop later on. Are there any technologies that that have been kind of developed in a partnership with with some private companies and the Olympic teams that have made it out into normal use or are are destined for normal use by recreational athletes someday? Yeah, you know what the the Olympic movement is 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 quite unique, I would say, and it's extremely different from professional sports. Henry, the reason behind that is that the needs that come through our uh, sports organizations are extremely unique, and I would say eighty percent of the time they could not be satisfied by a technology that you could buy off of the shelf. Twenty percent of the times it is, and this this helps actually. So so we we focus most of our attention on developing some specific, specific solutions for very specific needs. Um, some of them could find their way into the consumer market. Others could not find their way into the consumer market. But this is uh, rarely something that we uh, touch upon with with the technology providers who we, we work with. Now, we just want to make sure that, that the developments that are being uh, performed for us are, are being done on an exclusive manner from now leading into the the next games because we would really hate to be in a situation where um, we find ourselves sort of the um, experimental group and once the solution is identified then it's being sold to to, to another uh, another country um, right luckily yeah, luckily we haven't found ourselves in in unfortunate situations and um, I haven't mentioned this before maybe but I've been with the Olympic organization for about eight months. And I have to say that within over the past eight months leading up to today, any kind of work that we have been doing with all of our uh, all of our partners is 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 uh, exceptional, and we haven't run into any um, concerning situation or you know or felt that we need to protect ourselves in in, in any way so far. And I, I hope that this is going to be the way going forward always. Monia, this was excellent. So. As we start to wrap up, if you could point some some people who are continuing to be interested in what the USOC is working on, I know like some of it's confidential, but or any of your personal stuff that you've done in the past, where would you point them if they want to kind of keep um, up to date on on sports technology or whatever we uh, end up deciding to call it? But um, where are some good kind of resources for them to check out? Well, uh, you know, the, 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 there are many resources, fortunately, for us uh, right now. The, the way that the technology is, is heading, I'm, I'm quite confident it's heading towards the wearable, always-on um, features. And it's not going to be much about the sensor and the technology as much as about the system. And with system, I mean, you know, how is it that we can put in communication and in relation all the data that we're gathering from all different kinds of sensors that we have available and with that, that we will have available also 
going forward and making um, most use of that information. The resources that, that, that I keep under track, and I think you know, this could be a good lead for, uh, for anyone interested in this, are definitely the social media, Twitter and Facebook. And there are many private groups that you could uh, subscribe to or you know, many uh, individuals who you could follow. You could create your, your own lists there um, according to, uh, to your uh, liking. Um, LinkedIn has been an extremely useful tool for me. Uh, when uh, when I need to connect with with someone outside of my network, or when I even need to uh, create a dialogue with someone in my network, um, you really need to be on top of these three tools. Um, some other um, resources would be um, uh, specialized uh, websites and blogs and and magazines. I find quite good information coming in from Wired magazine and from the MIT Technology Review and uh, from diff different blogs around the web. It's, I wouldn't pinpoint to one in, in, in specific, but if, if you do, you know, sort of a quick uh, search and you dedicate some time, you know, maybe a couple of hours every week, I bet you that in one month time you would have your your uh, everyday leading, uh, everyday reading list already ready up for you. Very, Very good. good. So thank you, Munir, for your time. Uh, excellent conversation. Thank you for having me. And that is the episode. Thank you, Munir. And thanks, listeners, for listening. For more information and some of the links we talked about, go to our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com. And uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. Thanks. Bye.